0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joining as always, my co host, Nick Filato. And if you enjoyed, Last podcast where we broke down our picks for who will win each division, which team will make the playoffs, how they'll do in the playoffs, and Super Bowl predictions. We're going to do something similar today by looking at the Vegas win-loss total over-unders for every team, and then having fun and talking through each roster. I think that's where the fun comes in these podcasts, talking through each team, our expectations for them, what they've done with their rosters. So without further ado, let's break this bad boy down and look at some over-unders, for the uh, 2022 season. And we'll start at the top with the teams projected for the most wins. So Nick, let's start here with the Buffalo bills projected to win 11 and a half games in 2022. Are you over or under? And what are your thoughts on the bills?
2: I'm over with the Buffalo Bills. I think losing Brian Dable, there's going to be maybe some sort of impact there, but you retain Ken Dorsey, who was your quarterback's coach. So there's still continuity. And I think Josh Allen can overcome any continuity issues that there might have been, which I don't envision there being too much of an issue. But Brian Dable, that's still a pretty big effect, right? They're losing him on the defensive side of the ball. Leslie Frazier is still there. You add Von Miller, which is just one of the best pass rushing specialists you could add. I think the secondary with Trey White out, I think there's going to be maybe a little bit of a bumpy start. I mean, you lose Levi Wallace as well. I think he's in Pittsburgh, but you draft Kyrie Elam. So you're kind of putting a lot on Kyrie Elam's plate to start the season. But I still think they're going to be probably the best defense in the league. They're just very well rounded. They're very very deep up front and you have on the opposite side of the football Josh frickin' Allen, Stephon Diggs. I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to have a solid role as the number 3, Gabriel Davis to stretch the field. The rushing attack is going to be gross in terms of fantasy with Zach Moss, Devin Singletary and James Cook operating as a receiving type of threat. But I just think they're probably the best team on paper and you have Josh Allen who's playing at an elite level over the last two seasons. So I'm taking the over on 11 and a half.
1: Yeah, I love this call. And as a general rule, for those of you looking to get into sports betting on season long props, whether it be win loss totals or more importantly, when you're doing over unders on yards and touchdowns for individual players, always bet unders. Why is that? bet with the injuries, right? If you're betting overs, you're giving yourself a much worse chance to win because of injuries. Injuries could screw up your entire bet. When you're betting the under, an injury is going to lock in your entire bet. So it's very rare for me to want to go all in on an over. But, man, Nick, it's so hard for me not to. I am going to smash this over at 11 and a half. You broke it down excellently. They have a good scheme on defense and system. They might actually have the best defense in football, which I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but is probably true. In addition to having the best defense in football, the addition of Von Miller, and I'm not worried about Trey White because I think he's coming back. I, I read a, a I, I was listening to Brandon Bean on him. and He's like, we're just playing this crap. I'm paraphrasing this. I read that, Nick, as we're playing this smart. We know we're a playoff team. We want to make sure he's there when these games actually matter. And so I'm not worried there. And on the other side of the ball, I think they have the best receiving options. Josh Allen's had his entire career. I think Gabe Davis is an upgrade over what they've had there. I think Isaiah McKenzie is an upgrade over what they've had there. And more, most importantly for me, I think in the second half of the season, James Cook is going to be a really impactful player for them. I think he's going to lead that team in touches in the second half. I think he's going to be way better on a per-touch basis than either Singletary or Moss. I'm a big believer in Cook. I know he's smaller than Dalvin, but like we said when we watched his tape, man, the tape doesn't lie. He runs very similarly to Dalvin Cook. He's an incredible processor. He's got incredible vision. He can run the ball in addition to what he can offer them in the pass game. So in addition to all that, they have a pretty middle-of-the-pack schedule, 18th hardest or 18th easiest, which is fine. So, yeah, this isn't over for me. Let's move on to the Buccaneers, a team we discussed a lot in the last podcast. And they're at 11 and a half as well. I bet they're over last year, Nick, when I believe it was at either 10 and a half and 11. It kept fluctuating. I won that one. Where are you going this year with the over-under there? I think
2: it's going to be under 11. Now, they won, what, 13 games last season. We kind of went over it last time. The, the, the issues with the offensive line, the weird Tom Brady situation, some of the injuries, that wide receiver. I think their team on paper is still good. But I still think there's going to be some bumps, some bruises. And the AFC South... I mean, the NFC South this year is playing the AFC North and the NFC West. They don't get the beat up on the NFC East like they did last season. And I think 11 is probably a safe bet. So it would be under the 11 and a half.
1: That's an interesting one, Nick. I'm going to go opposite of you. So this is our first disagreement of the pod. I'm going over 11 and a half. I'm banking this on a lot of things. One, they have the seventh easiest schedule in football. Two, I don't particularly like their division. I don't like the Panthers. I don't like the Falcons. I'm okay with the Saints. Uh, and I just, I don't bet against Tom Brady. This is might be, the more I look at it with that 70, the easiest schedule, I might be laying some money on this one too. I'm definitely laying some of the bills. I'm unsure about this one. Let's go to the next
2: one. The Baltimore Ravens at 10 and a half. Where are you at on this one? Baltimore Ravens at 10 and a half. That's interesting because you're getting Lamar Jackson back. Like we talked about last podcast. I don't think their offensive line is as bad as maybe like you started to to allude to. And I think their defense, I think there's going to be a lot of pieces moving around with their defense, with Mike McDonald coming in, who was the defensive coordinator of Michigan last year, but he used to work under Wink Martindale. So I think the philosophy will be similar, maybe not as aggressive as Wink Martindale with Kyle Hamilton roaming the back and you get some of these corners back healthy. I think that can also help them out. At 10 and a half, I'd like to say under, and I think they're going to win 10 games. That That's kind of where I'm at with, with them. The AFC North plays the NFC South. And the AFC East, not the most terrible schedule right there, but there are some good games. And I think just that division in and of of itself, the AFC North is pretty freaking tough in terms of how they play each other. So I'm going to take under, but I think it's going to be like 10.
1: It's interesting, this one. It's a little tough for me because I actually think that the Steelers are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. It's one of my my hottest takes is Steelers at under seven. Well, We'll get to that, but it's my best bet of the year. I don't like the Browns until they get back to Sean Watson. And even then I'm like, is he ready to go the first game he's back? And that's a long time. It's 11 of the 17 games. So they actually ultimately grayed out after all that factored in with the 11th easiest schedule. I did pick the Bengals to win this division. I think it will be at 11 and seven. And I think the Ravens will also get to 11 and seven, but they'll lose the tie break to the Bengals. So I'm going to take
2: the slight over here. Let's get to the next one. The Dallas Cowboys at 10 and a half. I've spoken a lot about this on the podcast. I'm going under 10 and a half. That's a high number, and that's one that I'm a little bit more confident on. But I will say this, and I think you brought a lot of good points up. You did bring a lot of good points up on schedule. I I do think the schedule being so easy could lead to them getting – there's a path where they realistically could get to 10 wins. I just think the offensive line is going to be a mess, and you're putting so much on Dak Prescott while removing so many freaking weapons and relying on a defense that was hyper-efficient last year.
1: And it's interesting as I look through these, like you can get the Cowboys and Eagles at the same odds to win the division, but the Cowboys are a full game ahead of the Eagles on a win-loss total. And like all three of those NFC West teams or AFC West teams, which we'll get to in a second, Nick, have the exact same win total, the three favorites there in the AFC West. So just an interesting note, but I am going to, ah, oh, it's so tough because their schedule's so easy. But I do have con- my enough concerns with the offensive line, especially if one more injury happens. That I'll go with ten wins and and the slight under here. Let's go Broncos ten and a half.
2: Yeah, Broncos. I'm going under too. I feel like I'm just going under with a lot of these teams. But you had I them have to make the playoffs though, so I assume you're at
1: ten there, right? Like
2: they yeah, just nine were- or ten. The AFC West does play the NFC South and the AFC South, so that's a pretty, I would say, easy schedule. Relatively, you have the Buccaneers, you have the Saints, Tennessee's scrappy, and then the Colts. Ultimately, I'm going to say slight under. I think it will be 9 or 10, though. I think they're going to be a pretty good football team. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I'm going to go with the slight under there. All right, let's do Packers 10 and a
1: half. This one uh, kind of feels easy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are worried about the lack of weapons, and I am too. But really, man, I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers, and you're known for your offense. Got Matt LaFleur, have a good rushing attack. But that defense too, man. Like I, oh, yes. I love the defense of the Packers. So I'm going over here.
1: They added two of the best players from the best defense in football last year in college football in Georgia, like to an already great defense with great corner play. I love the Packers over here, especially in that division. They have the 15th easiest schedule, which is nothing crazy, middle of the pack, but I think they'll win 11 or 12 games. So I like the over there again, shy away from overs. If you are betting these always better to bet the unders for injury purposes.
2: Let's do Chiefs 10 and a half, Nick. Yeah, Chiefs I have over as well. I I just think Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to find a way. I think there are a lot of young pieces on that defense that make me kind of look at them and say, I'm interested to see how Steve Spagnuolo is going to figure this out from a defensive standpoint, but I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Saying that while also betting against Tom Brady does not give me a warm and fuzzy, but I'm going to go over. Without a doubt, and I will also take the over, Nick, but I will say
1: this. According to Warren Sharp's schedule analysis, again, based on projected Vegas win-loss total, the Chiefs are like a t- two tiers outside of anyone else on this list with the hardest schedule in the NFL. He basically says by far. So that has to be factored in, but I just don't like betting against Patrick Mahomes. It's why I have them to win the Super Bowl. It's why on a yearly basis, I bet the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I do this every single offseason. I've talked about this on the podcast before. They're usually plus 500 or greater. All they need to do is win two of every five Super Bowls to pay that back, especially when now they're like, great. You can get them at a higher price, like plus 700 someplace. Like not right now. I haven't looked yet this year. I was waiting until the season started because I always want to wait for the injuries. But as long as you get it at plus 500, all they need to do is win two of five Super Bowls. I think Batchelor Mahomes is going to win two of five at two of every five Super Bowls. I really do, especially with that offensive line, man. So, yeah, I like the over here slightly too. Chargers, 10 and a half. I think this is an easy over for us because we both picked them to win the division. You want to go into why you like the Chargers so much this year?
2: I like the chargers because of the additions they made on their offensive line. Another year with yes. Justin Herbert with his same offensive coordinator in Lombardi, which is something that yep. he has not been too accustomed to. I love the fact that they retained Mike Williams along with Keenan Allen. I think the Gerald Everett addition is a yes. low key, pretty solid addition. I mean, the freaking Jared cook had what, like 80 targets or 78 target. He had like a lot of targets last year. I think Gerald Everett can do a lot more with that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, their biggest vulnerability was stopping the run. They added uh, a defensive tackle. I think it was, Sebastian Joseph Day, if I'm not mistaken, and then Austin Johnson to kind of help fortify what Jerry Tillery could not do in the interior parts of their defense. And then at linebacker, I don't believe Kenneth Murray is going to be playing that much. I think Kenneth Murray has not been played well since he's come in the NFL when he was a first round pick. They added Kyle Van Noy, who you can kind of move around a lot. And I think he's somebody you could put on the line of scrimmage. You can put Mm -hmm. him at linebacker. He can do a lot of different things in that unique defense that Brandon Staley adds. And now you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack with JC Jackson on the back end, Derwin James. It's just, they're stacked across the board. So definitely over here.
1: Over for me easily. I think a case can be made. They have the single best roster in the NFL right now on paper. JC Jackson, they add an amazing corner. Khalil Mack, they add an amazing edge in addition to just giving him putting him on a Ross already as Bosa, Joey Bosa on it. So that's insane to have those two edges with JC Jackson in the back end there, Derwin James in the back end there. I mean, but some of the stuff I've I've watched and read on Justin Herbert breakdowns, we all watch him whistle the ball, literally whistle the ball through tight windows that most quarterbacks won't even try because of his insane arm talent. But the stuff that I've seen that really stands out the most to me, I think a lot of this, again, I go always go back to this, Nick, but that biomed major, I think he has a photographic memory to to become a doctor. You basically need one. And and obviously he didn't become one, but he went down that route. Everything I've read and heard and watched on the film breakdowns of his processing, his mental processing, that's where it really stands out for me. That's one of the main reasons I think Herbert is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL at some point surpass Patrick Mahomes. It's the processing because if he does get to the level that he could get to from a processing standpoint, he's gonna eventually have more or he doesn't gonna eventually. He has more arm talent than Tom Brady had. He's probably never going to get to the Brady Peyton Manning level of processing. But let's say he gets a, close to that because he's so good at it and tier lower with his level arm talent which again Peyton didn't have either. It's just an insane ceiling there. So, over for me. How about the Rams at 10 and a half, a team we did not pick to the win of the division.
2: This one's tough, man. I don't want to bet against the Rams here, but I'm I'm thinking that they're going to win 10 games Uh, and i I don't feel great about this they have a tough schedule though too man they got to play buffalo they open by the time people are listening to this they probably already know the outcome of that they got to travel to tampa bay they got to travel to kansas city it's a lot of traveling for a team that's all the way out there on a coast i believe they have to travel to green bay as well so there's a lot of traveling there i'm gonna i'm gonna bet the under man i don't feel great about it though yeah, I'm also on the under here, Nick. I think just looking, taking a step back, let's thirty thousand
1: foot view this thing. Right, the Rams are an entirely top heavy roster, so injuries could be a massive concern. Matthew Stafford had to get a PRP injection in his right elbow. That's already a major concern for the most important player on that roster, where they don't have a replacement. In addition to how toppy the heavy they are at all the other positions, you talked about the Andrew Whitworth loss, with the with the thirty with the second hardest schedule in the NFL according to Warren Sharp's analysis. That all leads me to believe that they're not going to win 11 games. So I'm on the under here too. Bengals, nine and a half. Where are you you at on that?
2: Bengals, nine and a half. I did not have the Bengals winning that division, but I still think the Bengals, with all the upgrades that they ended up having, I I still think they can get to 10 wins. I I think there's a possibility that that can happen. And that's a lot of wins right there for the Bengals. AFC North plays the NFC South, I believe, or the NFC South and the AFC East. I'll double check that though in a second. So I'm going to go with an over. I think they get to 10 wins.
1: I'm going to take the flat here, 10. It's an over, but barely. I don't think they're going to get too much higher than that with with the 26 easiest. So the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's math on the podcast. Seventh hardest schedule. I just, man, you give me Burrow, Chase, Boyd, Higgins, and a massively upgraded row line. And did I say Burrow? Because I'll say it again. Joe Burrow. And I just, I'm going to take it over on nine and a half, I think. So let's do the Colts nine and a half. I already broke down on the last podcast. I think they're going to be the one seed. So it's the easy over for me based on the schedule over for you as well. Vikings nine and a half. Where are you at on that one?
2: Ooh, the Vikings at nine and a half with the AFC East and NFC East on their schedule. I'm going to take the I think they get the 10 wins, man. I, I do. And I uh, see I hate saying that though, man, because they suck on defense, dude. And I think that yeah, I could know. be something that really gets to them and that makes me kind of lean towards 9. I think a 9 and 8 or a yeah, 9 and 8 team can make the playoffs. So, I'm going to go with just 9 here and just hover around that that half just ends up getting them. I think that's a tough bet though. Just you need your defense to step up big time. I think the offense is going to be improved though under O'Connell. Yeah,
1: I'm very out on this team. This is probably one of my no, I don't want to say my favorite unders yet so far that we've gone through. It's my favorite under for sure, but we'll see as we work through, but this is definitely an under for me. I went over on the last podcast, my thoughts on the Vikings on this next one, nine and a half Eagles. I think we're both, since we had them to win the division we probably don't think they're winning it at nine and eight. We're both taking the over here, right? Yes. Okay. San Francisco, 49ers, nine and a half. Me and Nick both had them to win the division. We're both big Trey Lance fans. For me, it's a lot of, I just think Jimmy sucks. Jimmy Garoppolo is pure system quarterback. So that's an over for us. Easy. That's Titan. not for me though. Oh, okay. I, I,
2: yeah, they're I like the division
1: it at nine and eight. I
2: no, no, like no, 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 no. I, no, no. I think they're going to, I'm taking the over there. Okay. okay. I, I'm saying that. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo sucks. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a little underrated Okay, to to be. And I think Trey Lance is going to have his issues, man. I I do think Trey Lance will have his issues, issues, by the way. I just think Garoppolo sucks. We're just
1: different on Garoppolo. I think if you put Daniel Jones on the 49ers, he would be just as good, if not better, than Garoppolo. And if you put Garoppolo on the Giants, he'd be worse than Jones. It's Just my take. I just... Uh, I don't know. I just can't get... I can't get on board with Baroppolo as anything more than a system quarterback, but maybe he has some mid-factor. I'm not giving him credit for that. That could very well be true there because so he does have the grit and he has taken them on a lot. I just, of I just
2: think he, he's good at... It utilizing the timing with, because dude, that offense is so mm-hmm. predicated on timing and Trey Lance. Yeah. He's kind of an extemporizer. That's something yeah. I'm interested in seeing. Whereas Garoppolo, he was it down, you know, he might not have the best arm he might not be the most accurate quarterback, but in terms of hitting the route, when he was supposed to mm-hmm. hit the route, he was great at that. So that's why I, I think within that system, he worked. And I guess it kind of goes to your point that he's a system quarterback, but I still think that's valuable, you know, in a ubiquitous manner. Yeah. And, I, and you're right. And I don't want to discredit
1: too much of the ability to have a quick release because there's quarterbacks with quick releases. There's quarterbacks without, without them. And that is a big factor for some evaluators and what makes a good quarterback. And he certainly has a quick release. Uh, Let's get to the Tennessee Titans nine and a half. This is actually a very easy under for me, especially now that Harold Landry has been injured for the season. I'm out on this Titans team.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go under as well, Dan. They do play the NFC East, so they'll probably beat up on them. They do play the AFC South. They could get some good wins out of Houston, possibly Jacksonville, but I think they'll hover less than nine and a half, so I'm with you there. And it's tough to take a team under nine and a half that just was the one seed with, I think,
1: Rabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL right now, but I just I don't love the roster Um, with the injuries they've had and with mostly the situation that's going down on the offensive line when you've already lost an alpha like A.J. Brown, it's not easy to replace. So I just don't love it. Cardinals, eight and a half. I have them making the playoffs. So do you.
2: Or no, you didn't have them make the playoffs. So where are you at on this? I have under here. I I think they can get to eight wins. I wouldn't be shocked if they got the nine wins, but I'm going to go under.
1: You know, I have over, and I had them making the playoffs, but, yeah, I'm starting to reconsider it for a lot of reasons. Everything you broke down being so close to the team in Arizona plays a a factor for me for sure. In addition to that, Kingsbury factor. I think he's a terrible coach. Murray's very injury-prone at this point at his his size. They haven't really done enough with that offensive line like you talked about. They haven't really improved their personnel at all this offseason. If anything, it got worse. So I'm not feeling good about this. I wouldn't bet that one, but I will slightly take the over there. Cleveland Browns eight and a half. Has this been updated or is this maybe I'm looking at old lines because this to me is a And and again, I don't want to go crazy here because the Browns still have an elite offensive line, probably top five, top 10 with a really, really good defense with Miles Garrett and Clowney and Denzel Ward and all the other pieces there. Uh, J- Joker, J- Jeremiah, Uso Carmoa. But I still want the under here. I'm not betting a Jacoby Brissett team over eight and a half games.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I like their coach, yeah. too. I, I think they have good coaching. I think everything that you said is accurate, but I can't go over with Jacoby Brissett starting, what, 11 games or 10 games or whatever yeah. the hell it is.
1: Here's another easy
2: under for me, I guess. Not as easy as my
1: my best bet one, but I might like this one even more than the one I mentioned earlier, uh, the Vikings. The Raiders under eight and a half for me. The Raiders, according to Sharp Football Now, to have the third toughest schedule in the entire NFL. They have six games against the Chiefs, Chargers and, De- and Russell Wilson Broncos, ah, man. I like McDaniels. I like the scheme. He's going to bring. I like the situational play calling he's going to bring. They have a lot of weapons. I think Derek Carr is a much improved quarterback from earlier in his career, but that old line, man, it ain't getting any better, especially when they use a first round pick on leatherwood and then cut him. The defense has good talent in Patrick Graham. I don't love their secondary at all. So I'm already out on their secondary and their offensive line with this third toughest schedule in the NFL,
2: I don't like the over here. No, I don't like the over either. I could see them getting to eight wins. I could see this being a division where like everybody wins a solid amount of games and they just beat the crap out of divisions that they play and, and other teams that yes. they play, but I'm not going to go over. I'm going to go under, but the rate is okay. I like that dolphins, eight and a half dolphins, eight and a half is interesting. Cause I think yeah. if there's an AFC sleeper team, it could be the dolphins. I don't, I don't think that's crazy to, to, to say, Eight and a half, though, I think I'd rather have them at eight. I think their defense can be probably better than maybe we expect. I, I'm not a big two to a believer. I think their offensive line is upgraded with Teron Armstead, who was added. Yeah. Obviously, Tyree Kill, that's gonna make a difference. Chase Edmonds, if he could stay healthy, I think he can be really dangerous, but I'm gonna go slightly. Up. You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna go slightly under.
1: Yeah, you're not feeling good about this pick. You're you're teetering back and forth to understand it's hard to do these. Sometimes I teeter too. I'm going to go under Nick, but I don't feel good about it either. I'll go under only because of two things, or because really of one thing. I don't believe in Tua. I think they've done a lot to put him in a good situation, but I never believed in him coming into the draft. I personally didn't understand how he was considered this lock first overall pick at first. Then he got injured. Everyone's like, oh, you're getting sane, sane value with him at five overall. I didn't get it. He had to hitch into a lot of his throws at college. He did not do a good job when he faced the blitz that we rarely had to at Alabama. And that Bama system, man, was so quarterback friendly. It was just a lot of the time it was just take a drop back and throw the slant, man, and let those playmakers do the rest. And they had a ton of line around the line of scrimmage throws and screen type passes in that offense, the wide receivers motion before the snap where you get the rid of the ball quick. Yeah, he threw okay downfield when he was asked to, but a lot of those were easy reads, easy throws against one-on-ones, and he might get some of those with McDaniel. It's a great coordinator, but I just don't trust Tua right now, especially when you throw in Taron Armstead, who is amazing when he's on the field, but has dealt with a lot of injuries, and he's older now, and those injuries were compiling. So I'm under there. How about the Patriots' eight and a half?
2: I'm under with the Patriots. Yeah. I'm more confident about the Dolphins than I am the Patriots, which I never thought I'd say with a Bill Belichick <laughs> coach team. But... uh
1: me too, dude. The Patriots also have a really difficult schedule here. It's the 25th easiest, so... You can do the math on how much hardest it is. I hate what they're doing on the offensive coordinator standpoint. I think Matt Jones is going to regress. I think their offensive line is going to be worse after trading Shaq Mason away. Uh, I, I know they drafted a first round offensive lineman who we thought was a reach. Their defense is still really good. Like, if you look at the actual DVOA, Football Outsiders, and I'm not a fan of pro football focus, but I think Football Outsiders does a really good job because they're more based on the metrics and the statistics rather than, like, some some dude randomly grading players on some arbitrary scale. But if you look at the metrics, their defense is still incredible. I think it still will be, and they know how to coach those grinded-out games, so I think they're still going to grind to, like, eight wins, Nick, eight and nine. I don't think they're going way under, but I do like the under.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Odds Trader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day weather, and bet tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity so if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code blue that's oddstrader.com slash Bluewire. wire oddstrader the number one site for all your game day bets they're
1: saints eight and a half i know you're over That you have them winning the vision as for me Damn, this is tough. They have the ninth easiest schedule, though. So based on that and their amazing defense that you did a great job breaking down, I'm gonna go with. Oh, this is so tough for me. I think they're gonna be seven, eight, or nine. I'll go, and I already have other teams picking a the playoffs there. I'll go nine and
2: eight, so oh, slight over. Okay, Giants seven and a half. Nick, I have under, and I know we picked. I think I picked eight in in nine before training camp. A lot has happened. Since then, I think they're not going to win eight games. I, I think there's a path to where they can, because of their schedule, primarily. If the ball bounces right for them a couple times, you know that's the way football goes sometimes. I think they're going to win like six games. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I think they're more of a a six win team. So I'm going to go under.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I have to go under two. I did pick them to win nine games back in the five weeks ago in August. But since then, there's only been negativity that's unfortunately come our way. I mean, look, they have an injury at left guard. They're going to put a new guy in left guard. That may ultimately be a blessing in disguise if <laughs> Redison's good. I'm not sold on it not being. But then you also have Thibodeau and Ojolari dealing with injuries. That part is so annoying to me. Then you also have no Blake Martinez. We assumed he'd be there and playing close to what he was before the ACL injury. He's not there. And I hate the rest of what they have besides Michael McFadden at that linebacker corp. I'm scared as hell from it. So, so many injuries. I still remain completely unsold on Daniel Jones being Anything different than what we've seen in the first three years, including that rookie season, what was uh, an overstated season by the by the supporters. He did throw 24 touchdowns, but insanely inconsistent in 2019 had tons of clunker games was really bad in DVOA was really bad in EPA was really bad in all the advanced metrics. So from what I've seen, I just can't assume that like in the fourth year, even with much better coaching, it's going to all go his way. But then again, they do have the easiest schedule. According to Warren Sharp, the down dead right easiest schedule in all the football for Vegas's projected win totals is the New York football Giants. So I think they could get to seven. I think they could get to seven. Maybe it's six, but eight it feels th- a little hard. Is there
2: a, is there a team, Dan, in the NFL that has more variance than the New York Giants? And I know we cover the team, so we're right there all the time. But I, if they won nine games, would you be floored? I wouldn't. I wouldn't no, because wouldn't of be this at all. It's the schedule, man. It's the schedule. I think there's a ton of variants here. There's unknown with Daniel Jones with a real, you know, modern NFL mind. I think the offensive line has some issues. I think the defense certainly has some issues, but there is talent here. And if the right players really seize this opportunity and rose to the occasion in the right spots, the Giants could win some of those close football games that could get the record to like nine wins. I don't think that's crazy. I'm just not going to bet it that way. I would bet the under if I had to bet it. Yeah, that's fair. Next team is the Steelers at seven and a
1: half. I'll make my case. This is my best bet of the entire podcast. I took them for $800 at seven and a half at plus 110 earlier this offseason. Now they're down to minus 110 or minus 115 juice on that. Here's my case of the Steelers, man. I actually love their defense. <laughs> I think they got a super down the defense, and I think they have incredible talent at the skill positions, specifically at wide receiver and running back and tight end. I think Pat Fryermuth is much better than most of these other idiots who are drafted around him in fantasy from a pure talent standpoint. I think George Pickens might be the steal of the entire draft. George Pickens this year drafted wide receiver uh, after like 10 other receivers or eight other receivers. I think Chase Claypool still got talent, if you can put it together, Deontay Johnson. But man, I don't like their offensive line at all. And I hate their quarterback situation. And what have I learned in doing this for as long as I've done this and being a fan of the giants and just watching football when you are bad at offensive line and really bad at quarterback, sometimes the rest of it just doesn't matter. So I don't think they're going to go crazy under, I think, look, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record as a coach. So this is a stupid bet from a historical standpoint, Mike Tomlin also can grind them to wins, but I don't know if he can play quarterback. I don't think he can, right? Nick, he's not a good quarterback. So who the hell is playing quarterback for them? Yeah, Kenny Pickett looked good against third stringers in the preseason. When when push comes to shove and he's eventually put in, because he will be, because Trubisky's horrible, I don't think he's going to do as well as other people do as his rookie season, especially with the horrific offensive line play. So I think the Steelers are going to probably get to six or seven, similar to the Giants, but under
2: seven and a half. I'm right there with you. What do you think about the commanders?
1: Oh, by the way, before I say that, one but just because I want to sell people on this bet as the Steelers, Steelers also have the fourth hardest schedule in the football, the fourth. Hardest schedule. So with everything I've said about the offensive line, quarterback, also the schedule. All right, commanders, seven and a half. Commanders have the sixth easiest schedule in football, Nick. So why the hell am I taking the under here? Here's why. I am convinced, Nick, <laughs> from some of the film study I've done, watching you know people who are smarter than me break this down, the commanders might have the worst defensive coordinator in football in Jack Del Rio. We talked about Hal Hunter being one of the most nepotism hires in the history of football when Pat Shermer made him his offensive line coach for the Giants. I think Jack Del Rio is, is one of the most nepotism hires left in football. Him and Ron Rivera are like good friends. He's a tough, good dude. Jack Del Rio's defense is an absolute disaster and a joke from a schematic standpoint. If you ask the people who break down the film of that commander's defense, they don't have much talent at all in their secondary. It's a disgrace what they've let that come get to. Yeah. They are supposedly have a great defensive line, but chase young is starting on the pup list in a major injury last year. So, Bad secondary, horrific defensive coordinator. And I am completely, and I mean completely out on Carson Wentz. And they lost Brandon Sheriff, their best offensive lineman, when he signed him to the Jaguars. So this is an under for me, despite them having the sixth easiest schedule.
2: I, too, think this is an under. I I think Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. But he's still Carson Wentz. He's going to do Carson Wentz like shit or things because that's what just what he does. And in terms of the defense, love the personnel up front. But you're right, man. It just has not been put together. I hate the fact that Chase Young is starting on the pup list. I think they can get the seven wins. I do, but I'm going to go under since it is seven and a half. What do you think of that Jack Del Rio take? Have you seen any of the stuff on him? I haven't watched his tape other than what he did against the Giants when they were trotting out just crappy offenses (laughs) where you didn't really necessarily have to do that much. I know it is not highly regarded around the league, some of the stuff that he does from a scheme standpoint, but I can't sit here and really tell you what exactly it is that he's doing just because the only games I've watched are against the Giants and you didn't really have to game plan too much against Jason Garrett.
1: Fair enough. All right, let's get to an interesting one here. And now they have a quarterback upgrade or some would believe I would be one of them. Slight upgrade. Uh, The Carolina Panthers at six and a half. Let me first tell you this. The Panthers have the 14th easiest schedule. So around mid pack there.
2: Yeah, see, the Carolina Panthers, I think they can get to seven wins. I, I think Baker Mayfield is is a, I don't want to say a significant upgrade over Sam Darnold, but I think he's a, a good upgrade, a substantial upgrade over Sam Darnold. I, I really do. And I think the defense last year was something that we always talked about. I mean, when, when we talked about the Panthers, it was always their offensive line sucks and their quarterback sucks. Well, they've made additions to their offensive line right. now. So you're not going to have to have Brady Christensen starting at left tackle. You can kick him inside to play guard. And you have Icky Aquano, who I think will have his bumps early in the season. But I do think the offensive line is upgraded. I think DJ Moore is in for a smash season. LaVisca Chenault they're trading for. I don't know what that says about Terrace Marshall or or any of the other receivers behind DJ Moore. And then if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, he's such a difference maker. So I'm going to take the over here.
1: This is such a tough one for me, Nick. It is, yeah. It really is. Mid pack schedule. I love what they do from an aggression standpoint on defense schematically. And I love some of their players on that defense. Having said that, I do not like Matt Rule as an overall head coach. But I want to say this yes, I am. We've on this podcast, we've made it clear, me and Nick, from day one, we were not behind that Saquon Barkley pick for a myriad of reasons. Same time, we've also made it clear we don't want to resign a running back. Having said that, I do think when they're on the field, these elite level guys like Christian McCaffrey, they make a big difference. That doesn't mean I want to invest in them long term. There are reasons why you shouldn't do that based on injury history, fragility at the position and shelf life of the position age wise. But when they're on the field, they make a difference and they didn't have him for off last year. So they just got to get to seven wins with an upgrade there by having McCaffrey on the field. If he can stay healthy, of course, I think he showed up with it on the injury report already earlier today, which is really funny. It sent some people into absolute freak mode from a fantasy standpoint. Um, aggressive defense with some talent there. I am going to go under, though. I'm going to go five or six wins slight under here. All right. It's the uh, Ben McAdoo effect. Oh, I also forgot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's their offensive coordinator. forgot. And you remember Matt Rule last year who fired yeah. the offensive coordinator because he's basically like he's not running the ball enough? Oh, my God, that is a bad take. <laughs> Whenever you're firing the offensive coordinator because you think he's not running enough, I, I don't want to be any part of you. That
2: could right. purely be an indictment on the quarterback situation though, from yeah. last year, we want to run the football just because we don't trust Sam Darnold to make the right read. Sam Darnold is one of the worst quarterbacks to come into the league since 2018 in terms of him being highly regarded. And we bang DJ for the post snap processing. And I would say rightfully so, but Darnold somehow is much worse. I know he's somehow worse processor.
1: You know, what's so funny about that man, Daniel Jeremiah, who we all love and revere as one of the, best evaluators at the NFL. This just goes to show, by the way, how hard it is for even these elite level guys like Jeremiah who don't get much wrong outside of the quarterback position to evaluate the quarterback position. This is not an easy position to evaluate. This is insanely hard. You're going to swing, you're going to miss. The good teams move on from their misses, aka the Cardinals. The good teams are ready to roll forward with different guys and they don't hang on and think they can fix him by putting offensive linemen around him, by buying receivers around them and doing those things in nature. They realize that this is a crapshoot despite the fact these guys are number one overall or wherever they're picked. Uh, um, and they, they have that kind of talent. And sometimes we just got to move on and keep trying to swing because Jerry Jeremiah loves Sam Darnold. He had him as his number one overall prospect in this draft. And one thing he said about him that always stood out to me, I remember this in his eval, he said he sees the middle of the field post snap better than any quarterback he's ever evaluated at that point, or like one of the best quarterbacks he's ever evaluated at seeing the field post snap, the middle of the field post most snap and using the middle of the field. And that just goes to show how hard it is to evaluate these guys, Nick, because we just spent the whole segment saying based on the actual NFL film, once he got to this level, he's one of the worst processors post snap. So just goes to show how hard it is to evaluate this position.
2: Yeah, that's a really odd take, because even back in college, I I didn't think sam darnold was that great at, at, at even that like his mechanics were always an issue it was just the wow plays that sam darnold was able to make the arm talent that sam darnold had and it was like we'll fix the footwork and the mechanical issues and things like that and that's Damn, so weird yeah.
1: too to me nick because like he can throw off platform and that and and change his trajectory and change his arm angles from an arm talent standpoint but he doesn't have great arm talent, right? Like you would look at him now and you'd be like, eh, his deep ball dies. He doesn't really rip the ball into tight windows in the intermediate deep range. I would not call that great arm talent. I honestly call it, so I, I think Daniel Jones is almost better arm talent than him. Yeah, Daniel Jones can't throw off platform at all and he can't change the arm slot of the arm angle. But, but on so
2: as far as just like
1: tight window throws and down the field throws, especially the deep throws, I would say Jones is a better arm,
2: arm talent. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy to say, and I also think Sam Darnold might leave a little bit out there because Daniel Jones is much more clean from a mechanical standpoint than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, sometimes if you look at his feet, nothing's always aligned. There are times where Daniel Jones does this, too. You know, you're leaving a little bit of meat on the bone there. You you align all that, then you can get a little bit more uh, a little bit more velocity on the football. Yep, very true. Okay, moving on to the Bears, six and a half. Now, the Bears
1: have... Let's see where this is, because this was going to be an interesting one. Once you get down to these nitty gritty six and a half low totals, you got to look at the schedule. The Bears had the fourth easiest schedule, according to Vegas win loss projected totals. And they're at six and a half. I'm intrigued to hear based on that information where you're going to take them.
2: Oh, The NFC North Man. plays the AFC East and then the NFC East. So some of those easy teams are the easy. commanders and the Giants who are on that schedule. Man, I'm going to go under with the bears because as a team we're about to go over that. I'm going to go over just a little bit of a spoiler alert, but yeah, I think the bears could, their offensive line is too bad. They did not surround Justin Fields with, with a lot of weapons and I'm not even a big believer in their defense right now. So I, I, I can't justify going over unless Justin Fields just really hits the ground running in his second year, which is possible. This will be another one. I toss a
1: little dime action, not dime and toss a little action on. I do like the under here as well. How many times have we seen this story play out? Those of you listening to the podcast, some things are getting interesting. You got a young quarterback, you got young something, yada yada. yada, There's talent here, but the offensive line is miserably bad. Does that ever work out? It never worked out for the Giants. Those were all four to six win seasons, and it's not going to work out for the Bears when you have this miserably bad of an offensive line as they do, and it is truly, truly miserable to the point where their best offensive lineman walked in free agency. They didn't retain him, James Daniels. Like, what are they? doing there from that standpoint no clue why they didn't retain him like what are you crazy you're absolutely crazy in addition to that darnell mooney is their number one receiver they didn't give him any receiver talent either justin field you people every everybody talks about how unfair the giants have been to daniel jones john mara you know we did everything in our power to screw this guy over no no no. you want to see what everything in your power is to screw a guy over justin Fields. that's everything in your power you didn't get him in andrew thomas you got him nothing at wide receiver That's everything in your power to screw over a quarterback. Now, they didn't do good for Daniel Jones. I don't want to understate that. The Giants have also screwed over Daniel Jones completely. But if you want to talk about the max screw, it's what's going on right now with Justin Fields. So whenever you have that kind of offensive line, I can't take your over. So that's an under for me. Now let's get to a fun one, a one we're both going over on. I'm going to actually bet this. Give me that hard knocks boost. Detroit Uh, Lions six and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm going over with the Detroit Lions. And (laughs) I try not to allow hard knocks to influence this too much. But I think they have. Low-key, really good receiving options in Amon Ross St. Brown. I think even a player like DJ Chark, I'm not going to say he's really good, but this is somebody who is like 25 years old, a former day two pick of Jacksonville, was injured a little bit, but he has some quality receiving stats from from his background when he was in Jacksonville he was intriguing when he came out of LSU and I think they have one of the best offensive lines in the league and I think their defense it's not going to be great but I think they're going to be able to rush the passer a little bit better than what we've seen recently because of that addition of Aiden Hutchinson if they can get anything out of Jeffrey Okuda outside and if he could play to his potential then you're really really talking about a defense that isn't going to be an embarrassment or anything like that so six and a half is pretty freaking low and I'm going to go over yeah, lines have the fifth easiest schedule according
1: to sharp football projected, uh, you know, according to the Vegas win total. I'm going over here. My case is more on the offensive of the ball. I think the defense is could be really bad, but with Akuda looking as good as he's looked now, kind of having a rebounding training camp, and the addition of Hutchinson, who's hit the ground running. And like, look, I I, I made my case for why I would have taken Kayvon Thibodeau over Hutchinson. Most of it was ceiling-based, but now I'm starting to rethink it, watching Hutchinson and hard knocks, man. He's just such a freaking like one of those just like never going to stop, relentless motor type players that has like good technique and just finds a way to get through all the time, early and often. So that could be enough. An upgrade I really like the Lions offense, that's what it comes down to for me with the six and a half, the fifth easiest schedule. All you got to get to is seven wins. And my big take here, Nick, is this they've done for a while now, they've worked to upgrade that offensive line. They have arguably, in my mind, You say it's Creed Humphrey. That's fair. I think Frank Ragno is the best center in football. I love Frank Ragno's game. I loved him when he came into the NFL. I said he should have been a top 15 pick that year. I think they took him just outside. I would have taken him away, or I don't even care. I knew he was going to be a lock, and he locked it in. He's amazing. My main thing here, also in addition to the offensive line they've done that bill, I like Jared Goff, Nick. I'm going to come out here, and I'm going to say it. Compared to all the bad quarterbacks in the NFL, you look at where he's ranked in fantasy, where he's ranked among people, all bottom 25, you know, 25th, 26th, 27th. Compared to all these other bad quarterbacks, dude, he's the only one with actual arm talent. Out of all of them, with actual size and arm talent. And those are two key factors. He rips a ball, it comes out clean, and he could throw it into different tight windows and tight spots with a lot of velocity and good ball placement because he has good mechanics. He had great arm talent at Cal. He threw a great ball at Cal. He threw a great ball to the Rams. He's really bad under pressure. That we knew. That's why he lost his job with the Rams, and he can't really create at all off-platform. He has no mobility whatsoever, but if they can keep him clean with their improving offensive line, I think he throws a great ball if he can get it out quick and on time, and so Goff is actually my main reason for going over here.
2: Like you said, I think he's a fine NFL quarterback. I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. I think if you were to look at the group of perceived bad quarterbacks in the league, he's probably the best of the bunch.
1: Yeah, and that's all I'm saying. I don't think he's very good. (laughs) I just think he's way better than these bad guys who have no arm talent and don't really process fast and aren't big. All right, let's go on to the Jacksonville Jaguars at six and a half. This is a really interesting one. I'm curious to get your take before I give mine.
2: Yeah, I'm not really 100% certain here because I think they can get the six wins, but I wouldn't be shocked if they get a seven. I don't have the list of the, the easy schedules but I'm imagining since they're playing in the AFC South. They probably have a pretty easy schedule as 12th well. 12th easiest
1: think, per, per those numbers.
2: 12th easiest, yeah. And I think Doug Peterson yeah. is... I don't even know the adjective to use for the upgrade that Doug Peterson is over Urban Meyer. I really don't. And I think they have a lot of young defensive pieces. I don't think their defense is going to necessarily be good, but I think they do have young defensive pieces. And I just think it's going to be an exciting year for Jacksonville. I think I'm going to take the under at six, though. I I think if this was five and a half, I would take the over and feel pretty confident about it. But for whatever reason, I just can't get to seven. So I'm going to take the under.
1: This is such a super interesting one for me, Nick, because like you said, I think the upgrade from uh Urban Meyer to, to Doug Peterson is You can't even explain how big of an upgrade it is. At the same time, I think it's such an impactful upgrade because it matters mostly to what happens with Trevor Lawrence because Doug Peterson is a great quarterback coach. He coaxed out an MV coached out an MVP season out of Carson frickin' Wentz and then (laughs) coached Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl. Just think about that right now. How insane that is. Nick Foles a career joint.
2: I'm sorry. Frank Reich was a huge
1: reason. Yeah, for all Frank that Reich well. was a huge part of that, but also Doug Peterson was was the head coach and played a big role in that offense, not only the system, but like coaching them. And Yes, it was Frank Reich as well, who's now with Matt Ryan and the Colts and has done a great job there. But with that in mind, with him potentially fixing or helping to improve a quarterback, who in my mind and your mind is an insane level, elite, elite level talent, has elite arm talent, has mobility, has size, has you know. Processing is gonna is, is still a work in progress because he came from that you know it was kind of easy for him at the collegiate level, all those things working in his favor. I agree the defense is gonna be a little feistier, but man, dude, I just can't get on board with a team that passed on Evan Neal with that tackle situation. I know they signed Brandon Sheriff, it's gonna help the interior. The Interior, I think they they they're okay at center, they're good at guard, or they're at least good at right guard with Sheriff. But the tackles, man, they scare the hell out of me. Don't love their talented receiver despite adding a ton of players there. Hate. i was not an etn guy at all don't like his talent it's tough mid-pack schedule i'm going slight under here i think they'll get to six okay new york jets five and a half i have so many jets fans friends who are like the jets are five and a half i love this over they've done so much to improve their roster i'm gonna give the uh let's go to your take first nick Then i'll get mine
2: I'm going under here and it's based a lot on schedule and I don't have it in front of me, but I'm imagining they probably have a really hard schedule, right?
1: Oh yes, they do. They have the sixth hardest schedule in the entire NFL.
2: Yeah. The New York jets. And, and you have the situation with Zach Wilson, who's looking like he might miss a month now, which is starting to come out. And honestly, is Joe Flacco that much of a downgrade from Zach Wilson? You want Zach Wilson out there. Cause he's your franchise guy. You know, you want to see what he can offer you, but dude, Elijah Moore struck lightning last year with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. I just think the jets are going to suck again. And it's going to be one of those situations where it's just like, what do we do with Joe Douglas? Cause we love some of the moves that they've made, but they just can't get themselves over the hump. So I'm going to go under. Yeah. This is an easy under for me based on mostly the
1: schedule and the quarterback play. Um, it's so low at five and a half that I shouldn't really call anything at five and a half an easy under, but I just can't see them winning more than more than five games, I guess it is. Um, I think they might be better with Joe Flacco, which is crazy uh, to say because they're not good with Joe Flacco. But I'll say this, Zach Wilson, he's really made me want to reevaluate my process a bit for quarterbacks. After Mahomes and Josh Allen, Nick, I went real heavy on just bet on arm talent. Hopefully these coaches can fix them. But I think at some point, when your footwork is as bad as Zach Wilson's was coming out of college, similar to Sam Darnold from that standpoint, when the mechanics are as bad as they were for Wilson, when you're not big like a Josh Allen, you're not really a huge guy. Zach Wilson's a pretty small quarterback, right? And when you came from a BYU offense that had, a compared to the players they were playing at BYU in the conference they were playing, a massive advantage on a weekly basis from an offensive line standpoint, and you go to a team that... Has a bad offensive line, which you're going to probably go to in most situations in the NFL, even right now, like the Bills, like they did the best job of this, of any team, of developing a, a pure raw talent, arm talent quarterback like Josh Allen. The Bills are a great example. They don't even have that good of an offensive line now, and he's still able to do it. When you have all those factors working in, it's tough to be a good NFL quarterback. And from what I've seen from Zach Wilson, man, when I actually looked at some of the NFL tape versus what I saw at BYU— I'm really down on him now, unfortunately, despite him being able to throw the ball better than almost all the quarterbacks at this point that are starting in the NFL. I think he has top 10, top 12 arm talent overall, maybe higher, but arm talent ain't everything, fortunately. And so they're an under for me once he comes back around week five, week six Seahawks five and a half. Nick, unless you want to say anything on, on that, let's move to the
2: Seahawks. No, no, I'm good. And as for the Seahawks, Dan, I don't know why, but I want to go over. Oh my God. And I, and I feel like an idiot because yeah. it's gross. It's disgusting. It's just, can Geno Smith work well enough within what Picaro actually wants to do, which is run the football, set up the play action pass, control the clock. And is that defense good enough to actually execute that? I don't know if they are. I really don't. And it makes me feel disgusting, but there's just something about this that makes me be like, maybe they can get <laughs> six wins though. I don't, I don't know if they can get the six. Like they have. Denver, which is more than likely a loss, right? And then you have San Francisco, Atlanta, Detroit, New Orleans, Arizona, Chargers, Giants, Cardinals, Tampa Bay. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go under, but I think it's five. But there's there's a reason. I don't know why. that just kind of pushing me and edging me towards the over. This is an under for me, Nick. Um, look, they have the
1: 11th hardest schedule. That's not too hard, but it's not mid-pack. It's just a bun- under mid-pack. It's going to be pretty decently difficult. They have the home field edge. But that home field edge, because it is really a big home field edge, I think a lot of it comes from them being a good team. Like whenever you go to these stadiums and your team becomes this gross Geno Smith-led team, the, the edge kind of goes. That home field advantage kind of goes. We've seen that with some of the betting trends and some of the betting numbers that people – R.J. White does a good job compiling this at Sportsline. He shows the home field advantage, um, which unfortunately the Giants have actually – Giants and, and Skins, the Giants and, I'm um, sorry, commanders have had the, sing, commanders have the single worst home field advantage in the NFL per the numbers. And the giants are up there too. Like, like top five. And it makes sense. Look, you lose your fans when you're consistently bad or when you're projected to be bad and you don't have any, any hope, which is basically the Seahawks roster. It's a no hope roster. Like, yes, I like some of the things they've done recently, but John Schneider has been one of the worst drafting GMs in the NFL. And I even read the report yesterday from ESPN. I don't know if you saw it, but the report from ESPN from, uh, I forgot the, the reporter's name. He said four teams called about trading for Russell Wilson. The Giants. The 10 the Denver Broncos and, and uh two others that I'm forgetting now. The Saints, but the Saints, and, and who the was Commanders, the fourth and the Commanders. Four teams called about trading for Russell Wilson. And Schneider was happy and wanted it to be Denver the whole time because he wanted Drew Locke. He didn't want Daniel Jones. You know, he didn't want the Saints don't have anything to offer him, but he didn't want Daniel Jones. He wanted Drew Locke. And like on the surface, it's the most insane thing I've ever heard. Daniel Jones is way better than Drew Locke, but Snyder's such a bad evaluator at a talent standpoint that I'm not like totally surprised. Like I think there's some validity that he might've made this awful evaluation on wanting Locke over any of these other guys because he's been so freaking bad at evaluating talent in the NFL draft over and over and over again. Look at his draft history. It's among the worst in the NFL. So I wouldn't be shocked there. And so I'm going under, there's just no hope. I don't like there, anything about this roster really besides the receivers.
2: Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's just a yeah, reason. Something that they are telling me that. It's a like, feel. I just think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be like Joe Judge, only better coaching. I think that's what this football team is going to be like. They're going to attempt to win football games 19-16 <laughs> and just gross scores like they that. Are, they are going to and, try to Joe Judge ball you. So like that. that's kind of where I'm at, but six is just too much. So I, I do think they can get the five wins, even though I don't think they're a good team, but the Atlanta Falcons are also, but what about the Joe,
1: one quick thing on the Joe judge you, I, I, I like what you're saying. And I think honestly, we're going to get to a team. The last team on this list, I think is going to try to Joe judge people and have a better chance to Joe judge ball you. And we'll get to them in in a, in a couple. They're the last team on our list, but what does Joe judge ball even get you? Like the giants won six and four games with Joe judge. It's not even uh, that big of a recipe. Like it grinds you into like never losing by too many touchdowns, but it doesn't really win you games.
2: No, it doesn't. But like it's an attempt to try to win you yeah. games. It's an attempt <laughs> to get you to the fourth quarter where you're within a score or you're up by sure. a score. Sure. And it's also sure. an attempt to just possess the football. Right. So the opposing offense is off the team. And then theoretically, you're wearing down the opposing defense. Right. And then you can make you control the clock more. So that's what Joe Judge Ball basically means, at least it's time with the Giants. Probably what he's going to do with Damian Harrison or Ramondre Stevenson this year. Sure. Okay. Let's move on to the Falcons at four and a
1: half with, let me find this. They have the. This is such an easy logo. Why can't I find? Oh, there it is. They have a tough schedule, actually. Wow.
2: They have the 10th hardest schedule. Yeah, I have. I think I have the under here. I think they'll get to like three or four wins. I think they're just going to be atrocious. They might look for a new coach (laughs) next year and, and, and start anew with a lot of interesting young pieces in Drake London and Kyle Pitts and see what you can get at Desmond Ritter. I'm sure he'll probably end up playing this year, but that offensive yeah. line sucks, man. The defense has one of the yeah. best cornerbacks, low-key, in the league, and A.J. Terrell. He's very, very good, but there's not a lot of other big powerhouse names on the defensive side of the football, so I'm going to go under. Yeah, I, everything you said about the gut feel on the Seahawks, I have a weird gut feel that
1: the Falcons can get to five or six, and they're four and a half here. But I'm still going to go with the under because I don't love my gut feel, especially because the, the main reason I'm going the under is because I think they're going to turn to Ritter, and I think that's going to be way worse than. Here's my weird take, Nick. I think Marcus Mariota is better than anybody realizes, and I think he's going to. Sh- it's going to be hard for him to show that because, like you said, the offensive line is horrible, the defense is bad. But with that said. I think he's much better talent than like a Tyrod Taylor, who was signed this off season, who we kind of liked at once who I've gone grown really down on and pretty much like the minchus and all those types of quarterbacks, the drew locks, like he can run, he can throw on the run, just doesn't have a great arm. He doesn't have great arm talent. I think we're going to see in the beginning of the season, he's a little more competitive offensively. They're a little more competitive, but they're going to be so bad on D that I'm undering this too with the tough schedule. Okay. Let's get to the last team, the Houston Texans. So, I think they have a chance to Joe Judge ball you with the additions of Green on the offensive line and Pierce as a runner. I think they're going to run the ball a shit ton. I think Davis Mills is is better than people realize. But, but I'll give my take first. <laughs> and their schedule, let's see what their schedule is. Well, that's the problem. Their schedule is the fifth office in the NFL. And my bigger issue is, dude, Lovey Smith is arguably... I can't believe I said Jack Del Rio earlier, not realizing Lovey Smith is in the NFL. I almost forgot. Lovey Smith is the single worst coach in the NFL right now and defensive <laughs> mind allowed to coach football in the NFL. Lovey Smith convinced me two years ago, Nick, that Wisconsin finally did it. We had a five star recruit in Graham Mertz. Everyone was excited about him. In his first game ever, he torched the Illinois defense for five touchdown passes. Or I think it was four touchdown pass. They pulled him. They didn't even need him for the most of the second half. He convinced me single handedly by just running pure cover two the entire time. I was gonna say he <laughs> was running <laughs> cover two, wasn't he? It's the most <laughs> disgusting looking. No, it's just easiest. Just a pure cover two. He's gonna run more of this pure cover two, dude. He doesn't give a fuck. This is his defense. Excuse my language. Lovey Smith is a joke. It's a disaster that he's allowed to coach, head coach in the NFL right now, maybe because the head coach is better for him because he can be like one of those, here you go, boys, play hard for me. I'm Lovey Smith. I did this with the Bears 10 years ago. I took him to a Super Bowl, 11, 16 years, however long ago that was. But I am not betting it over on a Lovey Smith team, so under.
2: And he's the defensive coordinator, too. I don't think they have a the defensive coordinator. So, somebody can correct me on that, but I do like Pep Hamilton and the whole Joe sure. Judge thing. I think they're going to air it out a little bit more. I think Brandon cooks was one of the better values in fantasy football. And I think Nico Collins is also somebody who has a lot of upside as a number two receiver on a team. That's probably going to be trailing a lot. Cause they don't have a lot of defensive talent. Like I love Derek Stingley coming out, but he's still a rookie. I love Jalen Petrie coming out. He's still a rookie. And then you look at the rest of the defense. It's like a hodgepodge of a bunch of guys who have been on like three or four other teams, dude. It's just like a bunch of those free agents that no one else wanted just on one roster. So I'm going to go under as well, but I do want to watch this team just to see what this is going to be like and also see if Davis Mills can take a second step forward. But I do love that Kendrick Green addition. And i I think the offensive line, or Kenyon Green, I should say, addition, the offensive line probably won't be as bad as I think I originally anticipated, just kind of when you think about the Texans offensive line, because you're going to have a healthy Laramie Tunsil there. Justin Britt, right. That's yeah. AJ Khan is meh, and then Titus Howard is okay. Titus Howard stepped in, and I think he played relatively well from my understanding, and not grind through Texans film. But I do agree that Damian Pierce will have a role. He'll be that primary guy. I think they're going to air it out, though, as well. I think it could be an interesting offense because Pep Hamilton is a really, really good coordinator.
1: So are you over or under? Oh, I'm under. Okay. Under for this. So there you have it. Our over unders. I think I want to do something fun. I had a lot of fun. This is probably the most fun I've had in a while. I, I just like talking this type of ball with you. Just getting the whole scope of the NFL. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. We know it's not giant specific. We cut down. We didn't give you a fantasy pod this year. We know you guys didn't like that, but if people want to hear us talk fantasy, let us know because we're, we're, we're going to appeal to the masses, not the few that don't like things. So I'm just going to be honest with you guys, but what I want to do, Nick after we're done with this. I want to post these to Twitter so we have a reference point. We can look back and we can see our record at a 32 at the end of the season, how we do on these win-loss totals and on our playoff predictions. So thanks everybody tuning into the Big Blue Banter Podcast. We'll hear again from us soon after the Giants game. Go Giants, baby. How good would it be to start with a win? Let's get that random upset. Let's go. All right. Thanks again. Talk to you soon.